0: Hi, I'm Andy Reid. Welcome to Honestly from HVCS, a podcast that brings you real honest talk about health-related issues that most people find difficulty talking about. We're here to encourage you to advocate for your own health and be your own champion. You know your body best and what your best life looks like. We give you the information you need to make informed choices. HVCS is a division of Cornerstone Family Healthcare.
1: Coming up on this show... It's like going to an AA meeting. I'm just talking about the amount of drink that you drank. There isn't a huge benefit in that. What I've learned over the years is okay, I can I need to talk about that and be aware of my problem. But how do I move out of it? It's where, like where's the resolution? Where, where's the moving away from it? Otherwise, all I'm doing is keeping going backwards and backwards and backwards when actually I want to move away from it. Trauma happens, it's part of life. It is, it is part of, it's always been part of the world. Trauma for me is very simply an injury or a wound and not just physical.
0: Donald Clifford is a psychotherapist specializing in sexual addictions, compulsions, problematic or addictive porn use and relationship and intimacy issues. Donald is a trained addictions counselor and he has worked at a residential addiction center for almost six years, during which time he trained as a psychotherapist and completed a BA in psychotherapy. Following this, Donald trained as a sexual addiction therapist with leading expert Paula Hall in the UK. As well as working in private practice since 2013, Donald began developing the sex and love therapy program, otherwise known as SALT, in 2014. The SALT program is a customized group therapy service which supports people regulating their problematic sexualized behavior and eliminates any internalized shame or isolation that may be associated with it. The SALT Programme became part of the Sexual Health Centre in Cork City in 2020 and has seen a steady rise in individuals seeking counselling for sexual and relational concerns. Donald,
1: welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Andrew. Thanks for having me.
0: So what brought you to want to specialise in sexual addiction?
1: I was an addiction counsellor and I was doing training. You have to do CPD and all that and we were doing it on sexual addiction we had a two-day training and i had a question about where do you refer people for sexual addictions and in ireland about four million people there was no place there was nothing in the country and this is about 10 years ago so i was like oh that's a bit of a problem (laughs) so if we meet somebody it's like tough luck so I, i suppose i have two young daughters And the concern was, like, is this the society they're growing up in where there is an issue, but there's nothing to address it? So I did a dissertation on it and I got really interested in it. A lot of my stuff was based on a lot of my research was based in the States. And later on, then I found Paula Hall in the UK, which was more aligned with my training in psychotherapy. So I went and trained with her. And fantastic. I, I loved her style. I loved how she works with it. And yeah, that's how I got into it. That's
0: fascinating. Um, and it's very troubling that there were there were no services for sexual addiction in Ireland. What's the situation yeah. now that ten years on?
1: The situation now is pretty much the same, except oh. I started salt and I thought it'd be nice to do a group uh once a week. That was the intention. Just for the people who might come, I wanted to make it affordable for everyone and accessible to everyone. I thought there might be five or six or eight people come to the groups. And I'm now eight years on and there is five groups just in Cork City every week. I'm now the only service in the country working with sexual addictions or compulsions. I'm not too caught up in the language of it. For me, problematic sexual behaviour is enough. Um, but yeah, I'm now the only person in the country who is who is specializing in, in sexual as well, addiction if we're calling it addiction. What
0: would what would you what do you call it? Do you call it problem problematic
1: issues? Yeah, right. Problematic sexual behaviour. For me, for me, not everything fits into addiction. In
0: general or with regards to sex?
1: With regards to sex. So, for example, I think Patrick Cairns came out, I think it was Cairns came out with the the idea of sexual binge purge and sexual anorexia, love addiction, intimacy disorders. Everybody has a different title for it. It really is the same thing.
0: Well, one of the first questions I was going to ask you, um, how would you define addiction before you actually look at sex addiction?
1: Yeah. Addiction... Very simply put, is obsession, compulsion, loss of control, and harmful consequences.
0: Now, how big or how broad is the umbrella when it comes to problematics? What we, what was the phrase? Sorry,
1: behaviour. It's it's like walking into a bar and saying there is drink without. And if you were to walk into a bar in Ireland, there is probably a hundred different drinks behind the bar so you'd have strands of gin strands, you know, strands yeah. of brandy whiskey lagers stouts beers all strands of all of them
0: right i'm i'm sure that if called on and if need be you would focus on all of the strands but do you see in your experiences that there seems to be a certain amount focused on on a regular basis
1: as in like say for example porn addiction yeah like porn, yeah porn use yeah, yeah but, but then in that, there is more strands. So I, I wouldn't be so much... In, so in group therapy, like, I don't focus on the strands, and I'm, I'm just calling them strands because I can't like, actually find a, a better term, an umbrella yep. term. Yep. What we tend to do in group is ask somebody to say, okay, this is your issue, this is your problem, okay? Now, what would you like it to look like If it wasn't a problem okay and then start i suppose and we'll get somebody maybe to define what their sexual sobriety would be as opposed to going into some person who likes just pornography and a strand of pornography there is no value in exploring that to some degree when you're starting now later on you might look at their erotic template but when you're starting out with somebody you just say well what is it you want okay and then they'll have to define what would be sobriety for them now. And that might have to be done 5, 10, 15 times until they get, this is what I feel good about. Right. How am I explaining this?
0: No, you're, you're, you're fine. I mean, I think what's coming across, Donald, is, is is this is more complex than just saying someone's addicted to sex, someone's addicted yeah. to pornography. It's not as easy as that, just as it's not well, as easy as that when you're talking about drugs or alcohol or whatever. So, what demographic would you say are the types of people that come to you? And there's a reason for me asking this, is because I think, well, I'll I'll ask you that question first.
1: Okay, so the majority of people would be males, okay? About 75% are males now, okay? And so we have specific gender groups. We have male groups and we have one one female group. In the male group, they age, they range from the age of about 18 up to in their early 60s. After that, then you would have quite a few gay men. Okay. So if there is at the moment in the groups, there is probably 40 males regularly in groups okay so we we maxed the groups out at. we were hoping to max the groups out at eight but it's gone to ten so we max the groups out and in every group there would probably be two to three gay men. so for for percentage again it's it's probably quite high for the gay population
0: right okay now no, the reason i was asking is because um it's important to, to ask that you, you focus on say addictive porn use as an example. Uh, does that have a correlation in having negative effects on relationships and intimacy issues?
1: Yes, hugely. Hugely. Um, hugely. So, what it, what it tends to do, okay, is distance uh, individuals, and I'm, talk, I'm saying individuals, not just men, women as well, from their partners. So that emotional contact isn't there. And their partners are seen, and this would be kind of their own language, their partners are seen more as objects as opposed to people. So what they've tended to do is be more distant in relationships. I'll be there, but it it, it looks from the outside. Like if you get to know a couple, you would say it's more of a business arrangement as opposed to an intimate, close, loving relationship.
0: So in that respect, then, would you say that the partner is more likely to be, for want of a better phrase, copying the actions that they see in particular pornography? Uh, Their expectations are based on what the outcomes are on pornography, and and they're hoping that their partner can replicate that, and if they don't, there's some sort of a
1: disappointment not, not not exactly okay um there wouldn't be a disappointment in the partner for the person who's watching the pornography okay yeah. right there, there would be a distancing in the relationship. so it's like that person, whether it be male or female, is is never going to meet those needs. but what it will and I, I suppose it's going back to what I really liked about Paula Hall's work was, she has what's called an OAT model. OK, so she the way she describes it is it, the origins of the behaviour are rooted in opportunity. So having the opportunity and the access to the opportunity, whatever, um, attachment, the attachment style of the individual and trauma. So it, it's an OAT, opportunity, attachment and trauma. And generally, people will have all three, from what I've been seeing, in their life. So they'll have access to it, to the, to so, the behavior. So for you
0: to, so pornography is the behavior?
1: Yes. Right. Yeah. And it's the same. You could. I, I use it now when I'm working with alcohol or drugs or anything like that. Right. At the root of it, if you, if I don't know, do you use the addiction tree? But at the root of the addiction tree, it's shame, wounding, and division within the individual. It's pretty much the same with sex, pornography.
0: So in order for you to to get to the root of someone's addictive problem or their, sorry, problematic sexual behaviour problem, mm-hmm. do you need to not veer away from that and look at their trauma and look at other aspects of their life in order to, to come back to that, correlate it?
1: hundred percent right but because because of my training so I, I'm trained specifically in addictions that was my first training ever yeah now what I've what I've learned um, because in my own life I'm I also in recovery from alcohol and drugs and I have no problem saying it what I've learned is you can't really work with somebody while they're in an addictive space so the first thing you have to do is get them stopped right yeah? right right. So, like their, their addictive behavior, whatever it is, if it's work, if it's that's an escape route for people, okay, who are traumatized or who who have aces, that's the escape route for them. Now, basically, what you have to do is stop the escape route while resourcing them to deal with what they deal with. So, in group therapy, we're doing lots of pieces together. So, with one group member, we will be doing his attachment and looking back over his family history and trying to heal that within a group setting. Right. Another person, now you have to be very conscious that all of these people are traumatised. Okay. so it has to be done in a very gentle way. So it takes a good bit of time while dealing with somebody else who is still struggling with acting out.
0: Can I ask a question while it's in my mind, Donald? Yeah. Now, you say all of these people are traumatised. In my mind as a layman, when it comes to, you know, looking at the word trauma, I'm thinking of something catastrophic that happened that has yeah. happened. Can trauma mean something different to that that means that many more of us are traumatised than we give credit for?
1: Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> it could be my line of work, Andy, but I, I'm thinking the majority of society is traumatised. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Trauma isn't really the problem. It's it, tra- trauma happens. It's part of life. Right. Okay. It is. It is part of it's always been part of the world. Trauma for me is very simply an injury or a wound and not just physical. So it might happen. And i say, for example, a good example would be when the child comes into the world. If mum has postnatal depression, that can be traumatic for the child because the, the child then misses the connection. With the mum, if they're struggling with finances in the home, the tension that brings, and everything that comes with it, if there's alcoholism, if there's mental health issues within the family, that's all trauma. That's all developmental trauma.
0: So you know? how do how do you run your groups then, Donald? I mean, if say for example one person has a a light bulb moment that you know they're recognising mm-hmm. their trauma or whatever. Do, 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 the, do the other group members help that person, or is it their turn that week? Or is it
1: no? Um, so how, how I've done it is I, I really believe in psychoeducation, okay, giving people the information. Because what people end up doing in it with any form of addiction is they carry a lot of shame, and shame is the sense that I'm not okay. Right? That's, that's all shame is. I'm not OK. So what we do is we start to explain. So we go back and we do like family history. They will do a sex history. They will do so they do a workshop for about 12 or 14 weeks, depending. But each week, then there will be a specific topic. So one week will be mindfulness. Another week will be how we relate to people. Another week will be developmental trauma. Another week will be attachment theory. So they're learning all of this over a couple of weeks at the start. And then they come into their group setting where it's group therapy. And we will like there might be a topic some some nights like I was doing a group last night and there was a topic about feelings and masculinity and how men don't cry. And their beliefs and their views and around men and that led into their views around women. Okay, and all that gets explored and so they'll talk about, they'll get to know their feelings, they get to know their, themselves, um, how they operate with, within feelings. So there was a lot of sadness in the group last night and a lot of upset and people were just noticing how they were reacting to other men being upset. So one guy had to turn away because he just couldn't watch another man being upset. And then he came back around and he said, this is what happened for me, you know. Um, and another guy talked about how his dad told him that he had to be a man. But he didn't know what that meant. <laughs> so, and it just, it flows.
0: That's very interesting that, and um, what comes out of that then? Did I, I had an, an image in my mind that, you know, you'd be talking about different types of, sexual addictions and you know one person would say well I'm addicted to this and now so it's 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 kind of almost like you're you're not touching that subject at all then
1: we do we touch into it but we don't stay in it, it right. it's it's like going to an AA meeting and just talking about the amount of drink that you drank there isn't a huge benefit in that what I've learned over the years is okay I can, I need to talk about that and be aware of my problem. But how do I move out of it? It's where, like, where's the resolution? Where, where's the moving away from it? Otherwise all I'm doing is keeping going backwards and backwards and backwards when actually I want to move away from it.
0: Now, as you know, Donald, somebody has an injection drug addiction or a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction. Um. In some cases there are medications to help. Is there any medications to help people with sex addiction? Or how do you how how is that treated? Is what you're doing in terms of therapy work is that the treatment?
1: I, I wouldn't call a treatment. So I, I would call it therapy. Therapy. Right. Therapy. Yeah. Not treatment. Right. Well therapy. Um I, I like some of the research would say out oh, there there is a benefit to some medications so far I haven't had to recommend medications for anyone in terms of
0: sexual health is that in, do you ever talk about sexual health or has do you talk about the impact of sexual health on people's lives because of the problem yes. sexual behavior
1: yeah we do so Quite a number of people would be would have had, caught HIV because of their sexual behaviour. So the sexual health centre where I work deals with that in, in a in a more of a medical way, and they do screening and they do HIV screening and they do so like and when somebody comes for an assessment, when they come and meet me first, part of the assessment, part of the agreement is you will go for a medical checkup. Uh, it's it's pretty much standard with everyone because some stuff mightn't be disclosed and I, I wouldn't want to come out six months down the road and throwing them off track, so I'd be advising people to go within the first month get everything checked out No, so the, the, if
0: somebody goes to get checked out and lo and behold they're HIV positive and they're, they're struggling to deal with that, would that maybe pause their, their therapy
1: yeah. set? No, that hasn't happened yet. But what we do, if something like that gets thrown up and there is something traumatic happens, there is one-to-one therapy as an add-on to your group.
0: You know, it's all very fascinating. As I was mentioning, you know, I that I'm kind of that part of it in my job. Um, the you know the STI testing, the HIV testing, and we do some counselling as well. We ask. You know, questions that are quite, you know, demanding of the person in terms of information to give us. So I've never actually had to refer anybody for problematic sexual behaviour therapy or counselling sessions. And to that end, I don't really know if it's available here or where it's available. So I don't know if the problem is the same here as it is in Ireland in terms of availability. So, I'm yeah. hoping that by chatting with you, then it maybe gives it some prominence. Because uh, yeah. I think yeah. it's vital that, that what you're doing is fantastic work.
1: I, I would say probably a podcast like this. So, I, I did a podcast here, and I, I think it was the worst thing I ever did because we, we've never advertised salt. There's never been any advertisement anywhere. It's all been word of mouth and people talking to each other. That's how word has got out. But when I did the podcast, people have come like two-hour drive away. One woman tried to drive three hours here and back for therapy every week for group therapy. Um, So it was taking up a whole day for her and costing her money. But when people hear about it, people come. And they just come because they're desperate. But they will come because they hear there is a service.
0: What way are they desperate?
1: I've had one guy reckon that I saved his life. He was going around for years carrying this stuff, carrying his sexual behaviours, but nobody actually dealing with it. They were dealing around it. So nobody was naming it as a problem. So he was carrying it on his own, thinking he was wrong. Full of shame.
0: Has there ever been a situation, or how do you deal with a situation if somebody actually discusses within a session... Something that maybe need to be reported to an authority.
1: I report. Right, that's it. I report. There isn't a grey area around it. Generally, people will already have been reported or in a process. And for those like, so we separate out. We don't deal with people who are um, in certain categories. So there's quite a difference between a sex addict and a sexual offender okay so we don't have sexual offenders as such in our groups now if there was a progression in their behavior and say there was there was fraud for example okay that's a sexual offense so during the assessment which takes about four hours this will come up and we'll see what is this person actually a sex addict Or what's going on? Are they suitable for our group? And if they're not suitable for our group, we will refer them to a clinical psychologist.
0: Now, one question I would like to ask you in terms of sexual practices, social media. How much do you you think social media, to include access to pornography, has had an effect on problematic sexual behaviour?
1: Well... I think it was Patrick Cairns who said in 2012 in the UK that there was a tsunami coming and he was right. The majority of people now are acting out through social media, whether that be pornography, dating sites, the likes of yeah, yeah, just simple apps where they're connecting with people. Dating apps is probably a, a big one. Facebook. People are finding different ways to act out now through technology. And not all of it is bad. Some of it's very useful and beneficial, but it's the same as alcohol. Alcohol isn't the problem. You know, it's like medication isn't the problem. But if you start abusing medication or you start abusing alcohol, then it becomes the problem.
0: One thing I was thinking about, and, and I would like your opinion on it. I was looking at, and and, and can of trying to formulate some questions for you of how big is the umbrella when it comes to sex? and sexual activity and would you consider for example cosmetic surgery under that under that banner under that umbrella i wouldn't people's need to become more attractive become more of a sexual being yep um the upsurge of lip surgery and eye surgery Mm -hmm. and um, i was wondering what your take on that was
1: I suppose my taking it is it's a new trend. It's taken off. Does do people want to be more sexual? I would say so. It's part of being human, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Um, I I personally, I don't have any problem with it. And I don't see it as it's like a kink. I don't have a problem with kinks. You know, for me, kink isn't a problem. It's if you feel it's a problem for you or it's a problem for your relationships Maybe that's something you need to go and look at. Now, that to me wouldn't be a problem as such. But if your partner disagrees with us, there might be room for you in one of our groups. Interesting. That you could work through that in with a group, with a group of other people. Yeah, it's 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 your association with us. Like I don't have a problem with bondage. Bondage can be quite healthy. BDSM can be quite healthy. Right. You know, it's what turns you on.
0: Now, do you have any? funny stories you know i know that obviously working in the field of sexual health uh, you know th- there are things that you could you know chuckle at and say oh i remember that you know
1: oh yeah there is actually there's, so i do use humor quite a bit <laughs> <laughs> particularly in assessments and the reason i use humor is i like humor I, I like having fun i like jokes yeah and when people come in to me the anxiety is up to the eyeballs. They're full of shame, full of guilt, full of fear, full of being judged, whatever. So when I'm doing the assessment, I do like at the end of some of the assessments, I would say, "Okay, you've passed. Well done." <laughs> so you passed eighteen out of twenty-five. You <laughs> know whatever, it and we do make a joke about it. And we make light of it, and it's a great way of reducing shame. Yeah. But if I was to ask you, okay. So you might be telling me all of this mad stuff that you've been doing and this and that. And then I would say, OK, and do you do you role play with your sexual partners? Not geez, I wouldn't be into that no at all. So that's the majority. It's kind of like, yeah, I was at this and that's OK. But I wouldn't definitely I wouldn't do that no at all. <laughs> you know? So they kind of have their own standards. You know, like, <laughs> the irony standards.
0: of it, yeah, yeah,
1: that's yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's it's kind of like no, that's that's too weird. And everything you told me wasn't weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. and yeah, people like the humor. Um, and I, I think you're right. That you know acts as a a great icebreaker and yeah. relaxes people. And yes. you know you've got to get through your day, haven't you? And you've, yeah. you can't be caught up in someone's stress or anxiety or emotion. You've got to remain impartial, if you like.
1: Well, what I've learned as well is I think if the therapist finds or portrays it as something awful and wicked and huge and disastrous, you're just adding more fuel to a fire. And it doesn't have to be, you know, like people can recover. Like, i don't mean recover but to some degree recover from hiv they can get on with their lives there's all of this medication or where you can get on with your life and you can have a grand healthy life the same as alcoholics can recover from alcoholism yes drug addicts can recover from drug abuse like it, it isn't the end of the world you can heal from all of this what you're a sex addict it's like yeah i'm stuck with this for the rest of my life that isn't the truth that's not reality you can change you know it isn't something that you have to get tattooed on you and say, that's it, you're done. It's, it's something, another hurdle you'll have to cross in life. That's it.
0: Well, that's a great way of looking at it. And uh, maybe it's a, a good place to, to jump off and maybe revisit it as another point if I've got yeah. any other questions or if you get any other things you would like to talk about. Now, before I go, is there anything that I didn't ask, Donald, or didn't discuss that you wish that I had
1: the one thing I've learned about these people and I I would and I genuinely mean this they are the most genuinely loving caring people that you would ever meet men and and people have this view of what men are that is not my experience of men men are very gentle warm caring creatures from my and 70 percent of my clients are males And it's this idea the world has that men are a certain way and are being portrayed a certain way. That doesn't have to be that case. Is that
0: because when they're, they're with you in your environment, you give them permission to do that?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I have female therapists working for me, and they are the exact same with them. They're gentle. They talk about what they miss, what they want, what they never got, about feeling lonely, about feeling hurt. They talk about all this if the space is created. They cry. They care for each other. They really care for each other. They love a lot. So that's what men are. That's what women are. And if we can see more of that, we can see past the labels and cribbing and fighting over. Is it sexual addiction or is it sexual compulsion? I don't care. Being honest, I don't care. That's my take on it.
0: Well... On behalf of myself, Donald, and and my colleagues uh, at Hudson Valley Community Services, thank you for your your efforts and your commitment to this problematic sexual behaviour, because it's something that is quite simply making the world a better place.
1: Yeah.
0: So so yeah. thank you.
1: Thanks for having me, Andy.
0: Thanks, Amir. That's all we have time for today. But before we go, I'd like to thank Donald Clifford for taking time to come on the show and share some valuable information with our listeners. Tune in next time to Honestly from HTCS in order to meet more people doing what they can to improve your quality of life and encourage a healthy Hudson Valley. If you like this show, please leave a five-star review wherever you get your favorite podcast. Learn more about our free services at www.hudsonvalleycs.org or find us on social media HVCs is a division of Cornerstone Family Healthcare. Goodbye.